Did you ever consider what happens one second after death? What if your time to depart this life was this very minute? Are you prepared to meet your deeds? Approximately 400,000 people on this earth will die today. Many will be old and infirm, but a goodly number will be young, even just minutes old. What happens next? The Bible has the answer. One, your dead body goes into the grave to return to the dust from which it was made. Two, your soul, your fully knowing and feeling part, enters into the presence of God if you are born again. If you are not born again, your soul will enter hell fire. In either case, both await a bodily resurrection. Some verses to consider include Luke 23, verse 43, 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8, Luke 16, 19 through 31, 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 through 18, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 57, Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Have you made your peace with God? Have you been born again? In Mark 16, 15, and 16, you'll find the great commission that Jesus Christ gave to the church. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Saved or damned are the only choices, and today you will choose one. In just moments, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. If you follow from your heart, everything will change for you. Today, all of your sin and its shame will be washed away. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken. The bigger, the better, and I mean it. Consider 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Today, your eternal soul is in your own hand. Today you will choose between saved or damned. Come with me. Here is the prompt that I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Now for today's subject. God said, John 10, verse 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. God said, Romans 1, 28 through 32. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetous, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. God said, Second Thessalonians 2, 8 through 12, and then shall the wicked be revealed, that wicked be revealed, excuse me, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, 
God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Man said, I love myself, and I love or at least like everybody that loves me. What's not to love? I'm special. I'm a snowflake. I deserve it. It's all about me. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1084, that will once again proclaim the glorious inerrancy of God's holy Bible. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the building up of the kingdom, and as a battering ram against the very gates of hell. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May the peace of God that passes all understanding be your portion. A myriad of prophesied issues are addressed in the God Said, Man Said, 21 Signs of Doomsday series that strongly suggest that we are living in the very last days just prior to the earth-ending battle of Armageddon. It is true that we do not know the day or time of Christ's return, but we are given specific signs to watch. This judgment could be many years from now, but I would not be surprised if we have not arrived at the cusp of, or even entered into, the final seven years known as the Great Tribulation. The great taking up of the church could be eminent. Prepare to meet your God. Beware of the dragon's water. Revelation twelve thirteen through 17. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time, and times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The 180-degree principle is pivotal to this revelation. Keep in mind, words are everything. We are literally made out of words, and the power of death and life is in the tongue, Proverbs 18.21. The 180-degree principle is the law of the opposites. A circle has 360 degrees. At 180 degrees, you are in exact opposite positions. Consider, God is love, Satan is hate. God is light, Satan is darkness. God is hope, Satan is hopelessness. God is peace, Satan is turmoil. God is life, Satan is death. Note that in each example, these are like measures, but opposite ends of the yardstick. You've read of dragon water, death water, which proceeds out of the mouth of the serpent. Now consider John seven thirty-eight and 39. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Think of yourself, if you are born again, as a water-pumping source, or as a rivulet running down the hillside into the river, before finally flowing to the ocean. 
Each of us pumps living water, the Word of God, which is the Word of life. Satan's entourage does the same, but the exact opposite, the 180. The devil's camp is the camp of the Antichrist, and his revelettes are the world's university professors, the mainstream media, the promoters of pseudoscience, the progressive politicians, the entertainers. All are revelettes of the dragon's deadly water, and their number one enemy is the cross of Jesus Christ. Satan has a very large and inclusive tent where all are welcome except the truth talkers who declare Jesus is the Christ and the Lord of glory, and it's by him alone that men must be saved. Acts chapter 4, 10 through 12. These are the last days, and the spirit of the Antichrist is deep at work. First John, penned by the Apostle John, introduces to the church the word Antichrist, defining it in chapter 2, verse 22, and chapter 4, verse 3. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Any person, any organization, any spirit that denies that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is an Antichrist. Second John chapter 1, verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an Antichrist. Christ and Messiah, those words are one and the same. John chapter 1, verse 41. But John 3.16 tells it all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Not only is Jesus the Christ, the Savior of all who will call upon his name and forsake it, but an official name for this Christ is declared in Revelation 19.13, and his name is called the Word of God. Hebrews 1.2 says this, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. This is the Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. The redeemed of God are called the bride of Christ and are en route to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The bride is required to be a chaste virgin. The groom's name is the Word of God. And any dalliance with the words or doctrines of men and of devils is harlotry, a term given to an unfaithful woman. Remember, the redeemed are the bride. In the end of days, the world's Antichrist system will be destroyed. Revelation 17, 3 through 5. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. This mother of harlots is full of names of blasphemy, and those names include all confessions of the mouth that deny Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This includes all antichrist religious systems, progressive political diatribe, atheistic communism, 
pseudoscience, and especially the theory of evolution, which possesses the world's academic communities. All these and more are names of blasphemy. They are antichrist. Years ago, when I was a young lad, I sat in a meeting and heard a very old man's testimony of falling into witchcraft as a young man. He was an Italian immigrant to the United States, full of aspirations of power and wealth, and purchased a book on the occult. The man read, studied, and followed the instructions given in the occult book for selling one's soul to Satan for power and wealth, up to and including an animal blood sacrifice. However, nothing appeared to happen, at least not immediately. Several months later, as this aspiring disciple of Satan lay in his bed, the devil entered his room and consummated the deal, telling the young man of the dark gift he, Satan, would bestow upon him. Satan promised power and wealth, but told the man to remember that he was forbidden to do anything good with the money. The young man could lavish all of the pleasures of life upon himself, but anything good, such as feeding the hungry or supporting orphans and widows, was forbidden. The man could do nothing good. Remember, Satan's M.O. is to steal and kill and destroy. Satan can do no more good than the darkness can become the light. One of the devil's greatest weapons against the unsuspecting is the doctrine of evolution, which is an antichrist theory and a deadly blasphemy. Charles Darwin's writings popularized this theory in the mid to late 1800s. It soon took global root and now dominates the mainstream. But just like all of Satan's gifts, it can do nothing good. Satan forbids it. Chartered engineer and graduate of Loudborough University, Dominic Stratum, addresses serious problems with the evolutionary hypothesis in his book, Evolution, Good Science. Under the chapter reading, Is Belief in Evolution Necessary for Scientific Progress? The following is found. Philip Skell, formerly professor of chemistry at Pennsylvania State University, commented, I recently asked more than 70 eminent researchers if they would have done their work differently if they had thought Darwin's theory was wrong, the responses were all the same, no. I also examined the outstanding bio-discoveries of the past century, the discovery of the double helix, the characterization of the ribosome, the mapping of genomes, research on medications and drug reactions, improvements in food production and sanitation, the development of new surgeries and others. I even quarried biologists working in areas where one would expect the Darwinian paradigm to have most benefited research, such as the emergence of resistance to antibiotics and pesticides. Here is elsewhere. I found that Darwin's theory had provided no discernible guidance, but was brought in after the breakthrough as an interesting narrative gloss. Similarly, Dr. Mark Kishner, founding chair of the Department of Systems Biology at Harvard Medical School, remarked, In fact, over the last 100 years, almost all of biology has proceeded independent of evolution, except evolutionary biology itself. Molecular biology, biochemistry, physiology have not taken evolution into account at all. Some have even suggested that belief in evolution has impeded scientific progress. Herbert Nilsson, who was professor of botany and directory of the Swedish Botanical Institute at Lund University, argued, 
The final result of all my researches and discussions is that the theory of evolution should be discarded in its entirety because it always leads to extreme contradictions and confusing consequences when tested against the empirical results of research. Moreover, my next conclusion is that far from being a benign natural philosophical school of thought, the theory of evolution is a severe obstacle for biological research. As many examples show, it actually prevents the drawing of logical conclusions from even one set of experimental material, because everything must be bent to fit this speculative theory, and exact biology cannot develop. According to Professor Louis Bonnard, former president of the Biological Society of Strasbourg and director of the Strasbourg Zoological Museum, this theory has helped nothing in the progress of science. It is useless. According to Professor De Beer, Haeckel's recapitulation theory had lamentable effects on biological progress, and according to Professor Bleschmidt, it set back real scientific embryology a hundred years. A good example of where evolutionary thinking has impeded medical progress is the belief in vestigial organs. The functions of these were not understood for years because they were assumed to be vestigial, and a byproduct of our evolutionary history. In the case of the vestigial thymus, it led to the thymuses of children being subjected to radio, uh, radiotherapy uh, with tragic results. For many years, the tonsils were understood to be vestigial and were often removed in childhood, but it is now known that these are part of the immune system. Removing the tonsils results in a fourfold increase in the likelihood of developing Hodgkin's disease, for example. Similarly, the belief in junk DNA has delayed progress in understanding genetics. Surely, if molecules demand evolution were true, we would continuously observe in nature a creative process of immense power, one that would have an enormous impact upon research and development in chemistry, biology, medicine, and agriculture. Instead, in real practical science, it appears to be irrelevant. End of quote. Evolution can produce no good thing. It is forbidden, but the list of its bad and deadly fruits are long indeed. The following two paragraphs are from the God Said, Man Said feature, Evolutionist Hear Footprints. Today's God of Academia's evolution, which is the spirit of blasphemy, designed by Satan to replace God. Satan has succeeded in the hearts of millions. The theory of evolution is given top billing in academic literature and textbooks, in mainstream media, in the entertainment industry, and in politics, and to the total exclusion of its only real opponent, the God of the Bible and his Christ. Evolution's champions speak often and speak with bold authority that they do not own. When their positions are challenged, they readily collapse. None of their positions hold under critical scrutiny simply because their positions are not true. Evolution, the theory of blasphemy, is a forbidden fruit hanging from the tree to make one wise. It is an abomination of deep proportions. Its godless, hedonistic spirit is the promoter of gross perversions of all kinds, including the world's number one promoter of racism and white supremacy. Those that bowed at evolution's throne would include Karl Marx, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, 
and the mother of death, Margaret Sanger, along with her abortion revolution, designed to control the proliferation of the undesirable people. How did the cancel culture miss it? Where are all the indignant protesters? End of quote. Hitler's execution of the Darwinian theory of white supremacy is forever emblazoned upon the minds of men, but most are unaware of evolution's impact on Marx and Stalin. The following excerpts are from Tom DeRosa's book, Evidence for Creation. Karl Marx wanted to dedicate his Das Kapital to Darwin. Marx believed that Darwin's book contained the basic view of class struggle in history. He read Darwin while in prison in December of 1860. Defending Darwin is nothing new for socialists. The socialist movement recognized Darwinism as an important element in its general world outlook right from the start. When Darwin published his Origin of Species in 1859, Karl Marx wrote a letter to Frederick Engels in which he said, This is the book which contains the basis and natural history for our view. Joseph Stalin carried out the bloodiest massacres in world history by ordering the execution of 20 million people. He believed adamantly that the teaching of evolution would turn one against God, and once God was removed, the people would be committed to the state. Pro-Stalin propaganda published in Moscow in 1914, 1940 excuse me, illustrates this. It says, I'll lend you a book to read. It will show you that the world and all living things are quite different from what you imagine. And all this talk about God is sheer nonsense, Joseph Stalin said. What book is that, I inquired. Darwin, you must read it, Joseph impressed on me, end of quote. No moral anchor remains. You are simply the result of a fortuitous big bang out of nothing. You are an accident with no purpose other than satisfying carnal desires. When you are dead, that's all there is. There is no judgment, no accountability, no God. You are an animal, the crowning jewel in the evolutionary chain. The God of the Bible and his morality is gone. In the minds of the lost, Charles Darwin has made it all irrelevant. The door is wide open for Satan to enter with all manner of perversion, free love, homosexuality, pedophilia, bestiality, why not, you're just a beast, mass extinction of undesirables and self-indulgences excuse me, of all form. In Second Thessalonians, it speaks of the end of days and depicts a spirit that will possess the minds of men, a deep spirit of Antichrist, a spirit of blasphemy. It's here, saints, it's really here. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 12. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth, and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? 
And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. A spirit of strong delusion will possess the hearts of the self-proclaimed wisest amongst us. They will believe and teach that our father was a monkey, our first cousin a banana. Oh, oh, stop, correction, I apologize. It's now known that our first cousin is a mushroom, relegating the banana to second cousin status. Our family tree is wild. They will believe and teach that life formed out of non-life, something that Lewis Pasteur proved impossible long ago. They will believe and teach that the dinosaur is still amongst us, just in the backyard feeding at your hummingbird contraption. They will believe and teach that the water buffalo hung around the water so much that it just evolved into the whale. A spirit of strong delusion is here, and it rules the hearts of the damned. Evolution is the devil's brew, and it can do no good thing. It is forbidden. Doomsday approaches quickly. The end of times is knock, knock, knocking at the door. If you ever ran the race, it is time to run it now. Click on the further with Jesus for instructions. God said, John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. God said, Romans chapter 1, 28 through 32. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them to do them. God said, Second Thessalonians 2, 8 through 12, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Man said, I love myself, and I love, or at least like, everybody that loves me. What's not to love? I'm special. I'm a snowflake. I deserve it. It's all about me. <laughs> now you have the record. <laughs> 